welcome back to it all. It's me, it's your girl, Emily. And I would just like to give the disclaimer that no, I am not tripping at the moment. If I sound like it, I'm very sorry. I was just viciously and violently attacked by my allergies because my sinuses hate me. This is what I get for spending my entire day in a dusty, musty old school building. The joys of July. I hope that wherever you are listening to this, I hope that you're having a lovely, wonderful day. I would just like to take a quick mo and give the obligatory yet much, much, much needed thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you a billion times to all of you who took the time out of your day to listen to the first episode of the podcast, to send a little love, a kind word, to reach out and just say that you enjoyed it. I was not really expecting the response that I got from all five of my friends who listened and I, I have wonderful people in my life who are very loving and supportive no matter what it is that I do, even if sometimes I'm like, okay, you guys really, really hyped me up on this one and maybe we shouldn't have, but I, I'm so glad that you find some enjoyment in me literally sitting in my bedroom talking to no one but you. So thank you. I, I really appreciate it. It means a lot and I'm glad that something is paying off here. So I am coming to you all from post Black Widow times, which is a wild statement to say. Never thought we'd make it this far. Never thought we'd see the day, but we did it. We made it to the other side of the mountain. We've seen the light, all the cliches. I, what is life at the moment? And since my entire personality right now is this film and this character, I figure, as you may have been able to tell from the title, we are doing a widow cast today in which I subject you all to my thoughts, my feelings, my somewhat non-coherent review of Marvel's new film, Black Widow. And I'm very excited because I have a lot of feelings about this film, this character, this whole shebang. So we will just jump right on into it. I feel like if you know me, it's not really a secret. My feelings towards Marvel and Black Widow slash Natasha Romanoff in general, she is not putting it lightly, the love of my life. Um, when I was 14, I believe we took a field trip. The school I went to the eighth, the whole eighth grade, we all went, we all went to the movies as our congratulations. You survived state testing field trip. We went to the movies and we saw the first Avengers movie. That was 2012. And we saw the movie I enjoyed the movie. As a, a girl, there were very few characters for me to relate to in that film. So it felt kind of obvious that I left with a very healthy appreciation for Natasha Romanoff. Um, obviously, you know, 
having next to no experience exposure towards the Marvel comics. You know, obviously I knew who Thor and Captain America and Iron Man were mostly because I thought the Chris's were attractive as a 14 year old girl. I was like, you know, hormonal, whatever. But I left, I learned something new as you should every day. And I, you know, I had a nice healthy appreciation for the only female Avenger. And it wasn't until that Christmas when my brother got the DVD for Christmas, I borrowed it like New Year's Eve and he never got the DVD back. It just became mine because I was obsessed. And for the last, God, almost 10 years, Jesus, that's frightening. Um, for the last 10 years almost, I have loved and adored Marvel. Not without my complaints, of course, but, you know, as a whole, I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, I find great, great joy in release days. The last few years, that's kind of been my dad and my brother's tradition. We go on opening night to see the movies and I I love just going online and freaking out about my favorite characters. I love writing for Marvel and like my dream job, my dream job, you guys, I want to be Liza Palmer. I know Liza Palmer is not listening to this, but Liza Palmer, I want your job so freaking bad. Like they Marvel pays her to just basically write Marvel fan fiction. Like they paid her to turn the Infinity War script into a novel. Like that's, that's my dream. That's a whole other story for another day. But anyway, I don't even know what I'm saying. Basically, I've been on this train for a while and I feel like I have waited 900 years in Azkaban for a Black Widow movie. I distinctly remember sitting on Tumblr.com R.I.P. Tumblr. She's not dead, but sometimes I can still hear her voice. It, you know, it's it's a graveyard over there, I'm pretty sure. But I remember sitting on Tumblr.com and reblogging posts, wishing, praying for a Black Widow origin movie because it only seemed fair to me that we have a movie just about Natasha Romanoff. And it felt like it would never come. And I, I had accepted my fate that the men, because of course men over at Marvel HQ were just going to continue to pay Scarlett Johansson dust after she gave them blood, sweat, tears, and 10 years of her life and just give her nothing. But I was rewarded on July something 2019 when Scarlet went to Comic-Con San Diego and the Marvel Phase 4 panel, they announced they were filming the Black Widow movie. Obviously, we all saw it coming because after Endgame and the hell that was Endgame, um, I was clinging to little bits of life and whatever crumbs I could get and... 
I was sniffing around and like most of the internet, we kind of put two and two together and figured out, okay, there's a Black Widow movie in production, but the cast was treating us like we were dumb. I don't know. They think we don't have brains, I guess, or that we can't critically think, which, you know, some of us can't, but that's fine. It's neither here nor there. So yes, we found out that we were getting a Black Widow movie and I had very mixed thoughts about how this was all going to play out because it was not the origin movie I felt like we deserved and had campaigned for on Tumblr.com. But all's well that ends well. Obviously, I've seen the movie. I absolutely adore the movie. There's not a whole lot I wouldn't do for Natasha Romanoff. Like, I know she's a fictional character, but the things I have done for her and for Scarlett Johansson and for just Marvel in general is just so ridiculous and dumb. Like, I feel like this was the least they could do was give us a good Black Widow movie. Like when Comic-Con happened and they gave out the hats, you know, I, (laughs) for 10 years, we have been deprived of merchandise that has Natasha on it. So anytime I would see, you know, anything remotely resembling, I would buy it. And I spent $50 on the hat that they gave out at Comic-Con on eBay because I'm dumb. You know, I've, when Endgame happened, me and my friend Shelby, shout out to Shelby, I love you girl, you know, we overheard her, spoiler alert, death scene playing from an empty, not from an empty, but through an open door of a theater while we were taking pictures in front of the Endgame poster and I promptly fell into the floor and started hyperventilating because I am on crack I guess and most recently one of my other dumb things that I did in public for Natasha I spent $70 on popcorn (laughs) because I was like well we have to have the mega combo thing that basically is a plastic bucket with Scarlett Johansson's face on the side of it but you know I committed even though the the guy who's running the register was like are you sure I was like yes yes I'm sure please don't ask me questions that will involve me rethinking my decision because we just can't go there right now we can't do that and for the 10 years in which I have just made an absolute fool of myself in public for movies and fictional characters There have been 10 to 11 years of just memes, memories with Miss Natasha and kind of rewinding it back to Iron Man 2, which came out in 2009. I remember, well, I don't remember, but I do remember how it was just such a nice surprise that we were introducing Black Widow into the cinematic universe because at that point, really, the only female characters that we had in the MCU were the superheroes of love interest. You know, at that point, we had Pepper Potts, we had Betty Ross, who, let me tell you, Betty Ross, that poor woman, 
they just forgot about her. Like, wow, Marvel, do better. And then I would like to say we had Peggy Carter. I My brain doesn't work. It's been 10 years. Things have left my brain. But at that point, we really only had female characters who were strong, but their the majority of their existence was to support the male character, the male lead, and for them to make hard eyes at them, which, you know, all fine, great, and dandy. But for those of us who maybe necessarily didn't identify with Tony Stark and his giant metal suit, you know, there was a lot to be desired there. So with the introduction of Black Widow came the introduction of the first female superhero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which was a big deal because at that point in time, and even in the years following Iron Man 2, up until I would say Winter Soldier, you know, any female standalone superhero movie tanked. Like that was what superhero movies about women were notorious for. And that was kind of the stereotype that followed them. It was a superhero movie about a female character will not do well. They will be written poorly. They will basically tank at the box office. You know, there was just, again, a lot to be desired. So understanding all of the hesitations in wanting to leap forth and do things, we really got to see Natasha shine in The Avengers. Perhaps the best part of that movie, even though I am very biased, we got to peek in a little bit at Natasha's past. We got to know her as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., see her kind of come into her own as an Avenger and fall into the piece of this puzzle that was the OG six and is the OG six because hi, I will die on the hill. That is the OG six is superior, but neither here nor there. And that was when we really started to get an idea of who Natasha was and see her fleshed out, which was again, kind of a big deal because we weren't necessarily used to seeing that, especially in the Marvel sandbox. So to have a female character who was fleshed out in her own identity and not as a side piece for a man, a plus content. So then we fast forward to winter soldier in which we get to see even more of Natasha. We definitely get to see more of her super spy antics kind of figure out who she maybe is as a person. And with the fall of shield, we kind of see Natasha forced to come into her own a little bit because, you know, as we all know, Natasha defected from the KGB and Red Room and the Soviet Union and joined shield and shield was kind of her crutch in, you know, the West and America and when S.H.I.E.L.D. was essentially exposed as Hydra, which, hi, if these are spoilers for you, I just, I have to say, what are you doing? Go watch them. It's been way too long. But Natasha kind of goes through this identity crisis, 
of, well, I just traded one murder organization for another murder, murder organization. I can't speak English. And she's kind of, you know, trying to figure out who she is without something that has made up quite a bit of her life and, you know, her identity post Red Room, post her time as an assassin for good old mother Russia. And it was just so fun to see her in a setting where she wasn't necessarily masquerading as anyone else. She wasn't undercover. She wasn't working a mission for shield. We kind of just got to see her as she is a little bit. And we kind of got a window into that, which definitely, definitely got to kick down that door in black widow. But that was where, again, we kind of got to see a continued fleshing out of this character. And then we arrive at age of Ultron. I, I am sorry. I do not condone Age of Ultron as a concept. I I forget it exists. I I don't like to think of it. It it was a horrendous horrendous dark time for everyone. Really, I think I watched the movie once and I blacked out during it and was like, oh, "What the fuck is this?" Because Age of Ultron was horrible. And if you like Age of Ultron, I am so sorry, but that's not my cup of tea. Personally, I believe that every single person in Age of Ultron was entirely out of character and Joss Whedon is, Joss Whedon's a horrible person, first of all, and Joss Whedon just said, hmm, well, haha, look at what I can do, look how I can mess things up because haha, I'm Joss Whedon and Kevin Feige should have pushed him off of a cliff, but he didn't. Apparently that's wrong, whatever. So we have Age of Ultron. It's there. I feel like it really backpedaled all of the development that we had for Natasha and just stomped on it and killed it. Because in my opinion, Natasha was basically reduced to a love interest, which was what I had loved about her initially. But of course, Joss Whedon just exists and says, you know, let's just mess everything up. I personally don't know how much Scarlet made for that movie, but I can tell you it was not enough to have to say those god-awful lines. And she deserved an Oscar for that film because I I would not have shown up to set. I would not have been able to deliver them with such grace and such poise and make it actually believable. So yeah, Age of Ultron, that's a thing. We, we don't acknowledge. Then we get to Civil War and we're back in somewhat trusted hands with the Russo brothers, the Russo brothers and Marcus and McFeely who were over Winter Soldier. I felt like we were in safe hands with Natasha's development. So jumping to Civil War, I felt good about things. You know, Civil War is basically Avengers 2.5. So you kind of get what you get. You don't throw a fit. And I was pleased to see that we were back to kind of watching Natasha basically struggle and kind of have to figure out who she is when such a big part of her life and a constant and almost like a pillar in her life is taken away from her and crumbles and kind of how she has to reassess, reevaluate, regroup. And 
in this case, it's not necessarily the organization of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's like this family of the Avengers and, you know, her safety net. Because when S.H.I.E.L.D. fell, that's what she had. And now that's gone, too. And just kind of seeing how she responds to all that. I think that the writing on Natasha's behalf was brilliant. I would have done it exactly the same way. I, you know, I think it was done very, very well. We get to Infinity War and what the fuck? We got nothing. She, Scarlett Johansson was there for five minutes and she bleached her eyebrows. She stabbed some things. She said some witty one-liners. She looked badass. And then that was the end of the movie. So again, not a whole lot to go off of in Infinity War, but that was because Endgame, where we get to see back into the heads of the OG6, you know, Natasha is grieving the loss of the world, essentially. And Natasha stepped up. She has been leading the Avengers for five years. And we kind of see her going through what I think is a bit of depression, PTSD, and just kind of carrying the weight of the world on her shoulders and her willingness to do whatever it takes. And up until Vormir, I was loving what we had. This poor woman, this poor character had been through so much shit up to that point between horrible writing, literally everything like concrete and foundational in her life falling apart. Just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff from Scarlett and the writers and just Natasha alike. And then we got killed. We just, we jumped off of a cliff and I went into mourning. It was not a, not a, not a fun time to be me. And I, I have my feelings on end game and I am planning to, at some point rewatch the Natasha Romanoff cinematic universe and kind of give live commentary as we go. So I'll spare most of my thoughts for that, but I could not get past the fact that she died I still live in denial. I'm like, nope, we're all good. Scarlet's coming back. Everything's fine. It's not fine, but I was a mess. And to have Black Widow, the film, as a concept to hold on to, that was very refreshing for me. And that was therapeutic to me. So we're going to jump in to where we're at now with Black Widow, even though we're rewinding the timeline a little bit. I would just like to say... If you've been listening up to this point and you have not seen Black Widow, I am going to be spoiling the shit out of what goes down. So you might want to watch the movie, come back, listen to my thoughts, all that good fun stuff. You have been warned. So in Black Widow, which takes place right after Civil War, Natasha is back on the run. She's running from General Ross, who is just the dumbest man. <laughs> he, he, what I'm like, what purpose does he serve? None. He's not really that scary. Like I, I feel like Wanda could punch him in the jaw and he, he'd be down. He'd be down for the count. 
General Ross is on the move. Natasha is faced with this shadowy character from her past and basically has to revisit her becomings and her past from the Red Room and from her time in the KGB. And, you know, when she first defected to S.H.I.E.L.D. and, you know, all this just wonderful, wonderful backstory stuff. We basically have to travel back and unpack our shit and our trauma. And, you know, one thing that I was just really worried about, the more that this movie got pushed back, which, Lord have mercy, it felt like we were never going to get this film. I, I was someone who was vehemently opposed to having the movie come out on Disney plus like a lot of movies were a lot of movies were skipping premieres and just going straight to streaming services. And I did not want that to happen with black widow. You can call me selfish. You can call me whatever you'd like, but personally the fact that this character has been around for 10, 11 years in the Marvel cinematic universe has always played a bit of a supporting role or like a not even barely there a role. And for really the first female superhero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for the solo film that had been, you know, desperately, desperately wanted by so many people for so many years, this thing, this idea that was now a reality, the idea that it would get sidelined and pushed back and sent straight to streaming and not get the same amount of fanfare and the same traditional movie experience of, you know, buying popcorn, going to the movies, you know, seeing it on a big screen with an audience. The idea that that was not going to happen just did not sit right with me. And, you know, I'm, I'm completely empathetic and understanding and uh, of all of what's been going on in the world for the last year and a half. However, I was one where I was like, I will suck it up if we can push this movie back to when things are semi-normal and we're able to have a theater experience because I just, I feel like that's how Marvel movies are supposed to be watched. And for literally the one character who just continually gets paid dust and disrespected for her solo film to just get pushed off to the side and sent to Disney plus. I was just not about that. And I thought that was absolute bullshit with all of the delays. This film saw, I think it had three or four delays. Honestly, every time it got delayed, it felt like we got a new trailer. And one thing that I was really worried about with this film was that I was going to basically know the entire plot of the film before I went in with all the footage that we had. But one thing that I think they did so well is that they, and I, I feel like I should be reprimanded for even thinking this, but I was so worried that I would know exactly what was going to happen. And of course I didn't, of course I had literally no idea. Maybe that's just because I'm an idiot or just again, don't have two brain cells to rub together. But I was really pleased that we weren't spoiled right away. And I, I, I just, I loved the fact that we took something that felt a little bit like an origin story and we put a twist on it and it felt very, um, 
it felt very fulfilling. It felt like we kind of had a full circle moment because a lot of the wishes and the hopes for a Black Widow movie was that we would get an origin story and that we would get to see the Red Room. We would get to see kind of how Natasha became an assassin, how she came into Shion, Budapest, anyone. So the fact that we kind of got all of that tied into a story that wasn't necessarily just, oh, let's go back in time and de-age Scarlett Johansson and make her play like a 13-year-old. The fact that we got like an older version of that, it felt like the grown-up origin story, which I, I just, I loved. I loved it so much. It was handled with such care. And Scarlett at one point said that she felt like doing an origin story was to be expected. And at this point in the game, it's like, what's the point? What's the use? And I completely agree with her. I think that, at you know, at the point we had gotten with Natasha after however many films, it seemed kind of silly and cheap to go back to the beginning and be like, okay, well, here we are back, back in the beginning. You know, it, it just, it, it didn't feel like it made any sense. So I like the spin that they had on bringing back Natasha's past, bringing all of these elements that, you know, kind of give you an idea of who she was before she was, you know, one of the Avengers. Just so well done. The writing in this film was impeccable. One thing that I just wished was that this film lasted longer than it did. Easily one of the movies that just goes by so fast and you feel like you're sitting there for five minutes. Endgame, Endgame is a dedication. Endgame you have to commit to because Endgame, you feel every minute of those three hours. And it's like, I've been sitting here for five years. I don't know where we started. I don't know where we're, where we're going. But Black Widow is just so well done. It really only takes place over a couple of days, a couple of weeks, kind of in the same sense that the first Avengers movie does. And it's those fast paced moving pieces and this really, really sped up timeline where you, you really kind of zoom in on moment by moment by moment that I just love seeing played out. You know, that's, that's kind of how I write, I think. And so of course I'm drawn to that, but really well done. Felt like the movie was five minutes long and I was like, wait, what? There, there's not more. What do you mean? What, what, hmm? can we pick up? Hmm? No, I need more. And I do need more. I need a trilogy. Why, why are we not giving her a trilogy? Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> I have words that I will say to you towards the end of this, which I know you're not listening, but I'm still going to say these words. It would have been so just wonderful to have had a trilogy. And I think there's still hope because you never say never like that one really old Justin Bieber song once sang, but I just feel like there was, there's just so much to go on and to work with specifically in the realm of Black Widow. And that was one thing that, especially with, you know, the premise of making a film, it's like, okay, what are they going to take? What are they going to use? What are they going to create essentially? And I, I still feel like there's so much more we could explore, you know, and again, this is all super biased, super just me wanting selfishly more of Natasha in my life and on my screen. But Something that I just, I, I, I want to have the conversation because 
I hi. I live on I live on Twitter.com and I am best friends with the block button because I am just a firm believer that you you don't have to see things that you don't want to see. You know, just live your life, mind your business. If you don't want to see it, block them, mute them. It's all good and fine and dandy. One thing that I was terrified for in this film and got so validated by and just feel the need to have this conversation, Budapest. We have been living off of that stupid freaking line in Avengers 1 where Natasha and Clint are firing off arrows at the Chitauri and Natasha so kindly reminds Clint, this is just like Budapest all over again. And Clint replies, you and I remember Budapest very differently. And those, those two lines of dialogue have fueled my existence for nine years. And I was scared shitless of what they were going to do with Budapest. I had no idea what was going to happen. I, you know, the, one of the interviews that, that Scarlett did at Comic-Con after the movie was announced is someone said, you know, how are you going to incorporate Budapest? Because, you know, we were like, oh, my God, we're going to find out what happens in Budapest, you know, after all these years. And the, 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 the thing was, you know, you can't do Budapest without Hawkeye. So I live in a state of delusion, I suppose, because I was like, if Jeremy Renner is not in this movie, if Clint Barton is not in this movie, I am going to incite a riot at Marvel headquarters. We are going to have words. I am going to burn it all down. I was scared of what we were going to get. I Because part of me was like, okay, the old man who is Renner playing Clint Barton, I was like, if he was in this movie, we would know about it by now. And then the other part of me was like, well, if he's in this movie and we get Budapest and I don't like it, <laughs> if I don't like what happens in this movie that's being made, not just specifically for me, but for millions of other people, I, I'm, I'm not going to know how to live with myself. And I, ever since Endgame, the whole Vormir scene has been a point of contention. I feel like especially within certain specific concentrated corners of the Marvel fandom, which is fine. You know, we, we all agree to disagree. We have our opinions and what makes the world go round. Da, 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 da. However, I feel as if you, <laughs> how do I want to put this? <laughs> with without being mean um clint barton plays a very major role in natasha romanoff's life and in her story like there's just there's no way around it you can play denial you can live in ignorance however you please but at the end of the day clint barton plays a very important role in natasha romanoff's life Clint Barton is the reason that Natasha lived. He's the reason she defected to S.H.I.E.L.D. He is the reason that she became an Avenger because, hello, the only reason that Natasha got involved in this whole Loki shenanigan 
was because Loki took Clint and that gave Natasha a dog in the fight, essentially. That put a stake. She was she was thrown into the mix because really, ultimately, if you think about it, if you subtract the element of Clint being taken, really, what's the point? What's the point of Natasha being an Avenger? Do you know what I mean? Like, sis is just there. She's fighting the good fight, hustling foreign drug dealers and mob bosses and the like of, you know, just evil henchmen, I guess. If you take away that element of Clint Barton being taken, Natasha wouldn't have had a reason to get involved in this mess. Like, yes, she probably would have been sent to go get Bruce. She may have been sent to fly to Stuttgart, get Loki, all that good stuff. Sis has her pilot's license. I don't know. But she would not have been in New York. She would not have become an Avenger if it wasn't for Clint. You can sit on that. It might be an uncomfortable seat for you to sit on, but it's it's a seat. And it's and it and it stands on four legs. It's not gonna fall. It's just the facts. So we we hate Clint Barton, apparently, because you know the 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 what's the saying? It should have been Clint. And I'm here to tell you all, if you are of that mindset and of that mentality that it should have been Clint on Vormir. When we when we do the time heist, Clint and Natasha go to Vormir. I was thoroughly disappointed by this and I knew exactly what was coming and I hated every freaking second of it in the movie theater. We get to Vormir, someone's gotta die. I I, I guess some theaters got a, a, a different version of the film than what I watched because I very distinctly and clearly remember Clint even saying at one point it was supposed to be me and how Clint just yeeted himself off of that cliff like he did. He he full on flung himself off of the cliff ready to die, ready to say fuck you to his kids and his wife who not even going to touch on that topic. They're irrelevant. There we go. He was ready to die for Natasha. He was ready to die because he knew, he knew, he knew, ladies and gentlemen, and non-binary friends, he knew that his love for Natasha was strong enough and that she loved him so much that she would get the soul stone. He, 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 he just knew it. He specifically wanted to die in her place so that she would get to live, that he would get to atone for, you know, his killing spree 2K23. And because he knew that she would be able to get the stone because she loved him. Like, if Natasha hated Clint, she, he why would he have thrown himself over the edge of that cliff? It wouldn't have worked. He would have died for nothing. Obviously, Clint loved Natasha because when she died, he got the soul stone. But apparently, like I said, apparently the whole thing that Clint not being the one to, in the end, fall off the cliff and crack their skull 
at the bottom of Vormir just really incites fury and rage in some people. And, you know, I get it. When Natasha died, I was a shell of myself. I was like, how do I go on? Because as much as I love Clint Barton, it's also like, fuck men. Like, we we don't need, we don't need an abundance of male superheroes. We just don't. We have, we have enough. We have reached our quota of men. <laughs> We've reached our quota. We're done. We're no longer accepting applications. We're no longer bringing anybody in. We're done. We're done. We, we, the inn is closed. The inn is full. There is no more room in the inn for men. I get that. And do I think we were completely and entirely robbed of having Natasha in the endgame girl power brouhaha? Yes. Yes, I do. However, Clint Barton plays an important role in Natasha Romanoff's life. And to overlook that, I feel, is to just completely dismiss a very important foundational relationship in her life like do you guys remember the movie inside out or yeah inside out was that the movie with the little pixar characters who were all feelings y'all remember that and how they had like the the important memories what were they called the i don't know this is why i need this is why i need someone to do this with me because I cannot think when it's just me, but it was basically the, like the core memories, the core memories. That's what they were called. The core memories were like the things that made up the little girl's personality and her life and all the islands. Clint Barton is a core memory. Clint Barton is a core person in Natasha's life. Without Clint Barton, we would not have the Natasha Romanoff that we had in the Marvel cinematic universe. So to, to sit here and act as though we, we, I, I just, I'm so glad we got Clint Barton in this film. Even if it was crumbs, I'm so glad we got that because that again validated the fact that Clint Barton was a very important person in Natasha's Romanoff life. And to dismiss that is to just dismiss like half of her fucking character. That's that's just that's just it, my friends. And the fact that Budapest was something that was left so wonderfully open ended, and gave me someone with a big imagination and nothing better to do. The fact that it just left such an open endedness and almost a validation of the the dynamic between Clint and Natasha was just so satisfying because I was terrified. I, I, I was terrified that Budapest was going to be just something horrible, but it wasn't. It was beautiful. And, you know, you can say what you want. You can feel how you want. You can ship who you want. I don't care. But I had that arrow necklace dangling at me in IMAX surround sound. Like it, it was dangling. It was obvious. Why, why else would she wear it? That's all I'm saying. So I'm very glad that I was validated with Budapest. I was more than validated. I, I felt alive for once in my life. I was like, this, 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 this is. And I nearly had a stroke when I heard Clint's voice in the ear come. I'm very, I'm sad that we didn't get like visual of Clint, but honestly, I, I can sleep at night. I can, I sleep well at night knowing that I got mine. So it just, it is what it is. And then we'll talk about that end credit scene because obviously that still has to do with Clint Barton, but 
I, yeah. One of my great loves now realized from this film is Yelena Belova. I feel like when we were, you know, when we're looking at having a Black Widow movie, you know, I feel like Yelena Belova was always the targeted sidekick slash villain slash is definitely going to be in the Black Widow movie, no matter how they, how this plays out. And I remember at Comic-Con when Florence Pugh was announced as Yelena Belova, I had no idea what to make of it. I had seen Midsummer, I believe. And she's obviously a phenomenal actress, you know, and I was very curious as to how the dynamic there was going to be. And I remember, you know, some things, you know, obviously they showed clips at Comic-Con and I was just very interested to see how the dynamic was going to be. You know, hi, I, I, I have read, I've read several comics and I also read fan fiction. So I have seen many, many, a um, a plot line that involves Elena Belova, obviously coming from the red room, being the baddie, you know, wanting to dethrone Natasha as black widow and be the superior, the best black widow. Yeah. Da, da, da. And you know, that was obviously a route that they could have gone, but the route that they did go was so surprisingly wonderful and I would not have it any other way I love 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 the characterization of Yelena Belova and I've I've heard people say that in a way Yelena overshadows Natasha in her own movie and while I don't necessarily agree with that I don't agree with it at all actually I just I think the the writing of Yelena and her arc in this film is just so wonderfully done, especially paired up against Natasha as like a juxtaposition because she is a juxtaposition to Natasha. And wow, that was just a lot of words and sounds. But seeing Yelena, who has basically lived in La La Land and her childhood is, you know, she thinks this is picturesque, you know, Ohio, I almost said Utah, but that they're not the same state. Why Ohio? I'll never understand. I'm sorry if anybody lives in Ohio. I just, I don't get it. I'm, I too am allergic to the Midwest, but having Yelena grow up and think that she has this normal life, then to be plucked out of, you know, this normalcy and this picturesque, idyllic childhood and thrown into the red room her memories are not even her own. You know, she's chemically altered to follow the Red Room's orders and programming and all of that good fun stuff. And you see her eventually fall out of that spell because that that's just a fitting word. It, it you know, concise, ca- encapsulates everything. And you see her kind of try to come to terms with the fact that everything that she had grown up with was a lie. And it's touched on very briefly, but basically Natasha is old enough to remember, you know, when they're undercover, Natasha's old enough to remember a time prior to that life. And so that's why she's still holding on to the fact that, 
you know, it wasn't real. It wasn't real. She's living in denial. You know, it's not just a river, ladies and gents, and my non-binary friends. But Yelena quite literally had no conception of her life before Ohio. You know, she she didn't remember what what her life was like. And so she went from this childhood where she had a big sister and a loving mother and father. And then it was taken away from her. And she basically had to unpack the fact that, you know, it, it was a lie. It was fake. And she, she didn't know it. And so to kind of see her process that over the course of the film and for her to get her validation was just beautiful. I think, again, I think the writing and the characterization of Yelena was so brilliantly done. And I, I just, I love, I loved everything about her. And I'm, I'm so glad that they didn't make her like the, the big baddie or, you know, one of the bad guys in this film, because it very easily could have gone that way. And it didn't. I just like, it's just the little sister antics and the little sister quips and being sassy. And it was just, it was just brilliant. Very well done. Florence Pugh is a gift. I am excited to see the evolution of her character as time goes on because I'm almost positive Florence Pugh has signed a multi-film contract with Marvel and whatever they give Florence, she's going to act the hell out of. There's there's no question in that. But to kind of see how we develop Yelena and her story as we move through phase four and into phase five, which holy shit, that's a thought. Never thought we'd, we'd be there. I'm, I'm just looking forward to it because she's one of those characters who it's like, I want you to be my best friend, but I also want to be you. And it was just, it was so nice to have a character who was well-written and didn't feel like just a amalgamation of, of tropes and, you know, like the, the sidekick or whatever, it was just, it was just very well done. I love what they do with Yelena and I, I, we stand. we have no choice but to stand. I, I've watched the film twice and something that I love about watching films more than one time is you notice different things the more you rewatch it basically, because you're, you're always looking somewhere else and different things jump out at you, all that, all that kind of stuff. One thing that I eagerly looked forward to in my rewatches, because the first time I saw it blew the top off of my head when Natasha is confronting Drakoff. Jesus Christ, first of all, I, Scarlett, like I said, a lot of people, you know, there's reviews out there and maybe it's not a lot of people. I don't know. I've seen reviews saying that Scarlett is just sidestepped. You know, Natasha is not the star for all movie. I don't think that's the case. Natasha shined in every scene she was in. Obviously, Elena, Alexi, Melina, they're all wonderful characters and they, everyone steals the scene, if that makes sense. Everyone steals the scene. It's so hard to pay attention to 
one particular person when you're watching the film because they do also the scene. And so it's almost like you have to watch with an eye trained on one of them specifically to really get a full appreciation for the whole film. But I, I mean, this is Natasha's film and I don't feel like she was pushed to the side. I don't feel like she was gypped in any way. The fight sequences were absolutely beautiful. That was something I felt like we were shorted of in Endgame. And I, I just love watching Natasha fight. It's it's fabulous. And we got so many good fight sequences. We got so much good, you know, solo development for her and just kind of watching how she basically patches up her life after it all goes to shit and realizing that, okay, everything that I've done up to this point has just been for nothing, essentially, because you know, we had that Winter Soldier when she found out that S.H.I.E.L.D. was just surprise Hydra. And she's like, okay, well, there goes that. And then her Avengers family, you know, forged in the fires of wartime, whatever. Trauma, tragedy, la la la. That gets taken from her. And she realizes that, okay, maybe we're not, maybe we're not necessarily the family that I thought we were because clearly Tony and Steve just arguing in an airport over Bucky freaking Barnes. Bucky Barnes is enough to demolish everything. <laughs> and then she finds out that Drakov, who was the basically like, he was like the Russian mafia member what he looked like it's how he was portrayed but he's you know the owner creator the handler at the red room um finding out that she didn't actually kill him surprise he's still alive uh it's just like oh wow another lie in my life that i have to unpack and and deal with and the reveal of taskmaster was interesting because i feel like there was such a large build-up towards taskmaster being the big baddie of the film obviously spoiler taskmaster wasn't it turned out to be Drakov, who was not dead and there was a big conversation i would say about the identity of taskmaster and hi i have two brain cells and i didn't put it together until we cut to the scene of natasha infiltrating the red room and busting up in Drakov's office like she owns place because she's that bitch. And we find out that not only did Drakov survive the explosion, but surprise, so did his daughter. And his daughter was Taskmaster. I thought that was a very interesting choice. I I love the fact that Taskmaster, in a sense, was something kind of like a red herring that we you know we're made to think is is the true biggie bad of them all and especially more so in the promos and in the film you find out pretty quickly Drakov is the bad guy and that taskmaster is working for him but to see that taskmaster was just another victim of this horrible man and was his child it was just it was so well thought out and I'm sure someone out there 
is disagreeing and saying, no, that's lazy. That's predictable. I wanted it to be Steve Rogers. Well, I'm here to tell you that not everything is about that old man. And I, I, I had my theories. I had thought at one point it might've been, um, someone that we knew, you know, there was thought that it would be OT and his character and that he would be taskmaster. And it would be like the betrayal, but it wasn't. And I, I just, I love the fact that this movie was so centered around women. And I've seen a lot of talk and conversation about how this movie touches on such important things and in such a graceful way. And I, I, first of all, I don't know what to say, which is a first, but we, we see, you know, human trafficking. I mean, the widows are literally, you know, plucked from their four corners of the world and taken in into this red room, which the, it's like a flying spaceship. It's like the space station, which I just had this thought, how in the world did Nick Fury flying around his invisible helicarrier all across the globe? How did he not like just crash into the red room? Like that is a logistics question. I would like answer it from somebody at Marvel, but you know, we have the human trafficking aspect of, you know, these young girls plugged from the corners of the world being taken in and taken from their families and forced to be assassins and spies you know, there's conversations of the over-sexualization and hyper-sexualization of young girls and how that's, you know, used in, again, these human trafficking schemes and scenarios. And I, I just think it was so, so wonderfully touched because it gave you an insight as to, you know, what the impact of that looked like. And then, you know, obviously throughout the course of the film, you see the importance of autonomy and having a choice. And you see the the liberation in that. And when Natasha breaks all of the widows from their mind control drug or whatever, which is fucked up, but oof imagine but Natasha says you're free to make your own choices now and having that autonomy over oneself and even in the simplest of things like with the involuntary hysterectomies that the red room gave having autonomy over your own body and your reproductive system which is a hot topic here in the U.S. of A. It all I feel like it always is but just seeing how it had these subtle undertones of it while also being like, hi, here's what the fuck's going on. I just, I think it was such a brilliant move on Kate Shortland's behalf. And honestly, men aren't allowed to have opinions on this film. Like, you're just not, you're just not, I'm sorry. You're just not like as a woman who fortunately, God forbid, has never dealt with human trafficking, but has always been forewarned and almost trained growing up to be preventative and proactive and aware of what can happen and how to do everything I can to not befall this, this fate that so many people are unfortunately 
um, subjected to. And that's something I've lived my whole life as a woman. And then, you know, the hyper-sexualization of (laughs) girls and women. I mean, how many times have we had the conversation of why can I not wear a tank top to school? Like, are boys going to orgasm over seeing a bare shoulder? What's, What's the deal with that? Or, you know, just looking into how no matter what a woman wears or a woman's confidence is and what she chooses to share with the world, it's always going to be looked at through a sexual lens. I mean, like literally look at Scarlett Johansson. You know, she has this sex symbol association with her and her body and the the things that people consider acceptable and okay to say to her in interviews and just some of the shit she's had to deal with over her, you know, 20, 30 year career in Hollywood is ridiculous because no, you, you rarely see men go through that, which is another conversation entirely because men do experience it. And, you know, it's, it's almost expected like, Oh, well, why are you complaining about it? And then you have, again, autonomy over, you know, your body and your choices. I mean, again, hi, I live in America and that's a hot topic about, you know, whether or not the government should have a say in what, what I choose to do with my body and my, you know, my reproductive system. It's just such an interesting commentary. And as a woman watching this film and being like, I can relate to that. It's just, it's so comforting to have a movie about women by women for women and fuck men. You know, I, I just, I love that this film did that. And I think it did it in a, in a delicate way and in a respectful way and in a way that makes you think and makes you kind of analyze your own experience with it and your own knowledge of it and furthers your awareness and kind of gives you a peek into what that looks like, especially if you're not privy to any of those experiences and you haven't seen it, what it looks like and how it, you know, affects other people, I think was just genius filmmaking. I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not a film major. I know nothing about film. I consider VeggieTales cinematic masterpieces, but I do think that was one thing that this movie did very well amongst other things, obviously, such as the writing and the characterization. But again, I, I do think that the the nod and the themes of these very important topics, especially in a high budget Marvel movie, which again has a primary ba- like primary audience base of men is just so refreshing and so wonderful. Kate Shortland really said, men, open your eyes or else. (laughs) And I love that for her. I love her. So genius. The confrontation scene with Drakov. First of all, loved the parallel to Winter Soldier with the face masks, because of course, of course, we're still doing that. And however many years later, of course we are, you know, just it's classic Natasha. But her tricking him, getting that Avengers flashback moment to when she tricks a Loki. And then when she is taunting him and confronting him and essentially trying to get him to break her nose so she can block the pheromones 
whatever science makes no sense to me, but I buy it. So that's why I love these movies. They, they can just sell me something and I'm like, yep. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that because I'm not smart enough to know otherwise. I just, the cockiness of Natasha and knowing how good she is and just, it, it was everything I wanted. And then some, like, it was just so good seeing Natasha being this cocky little shit, just taunting him. I, I love, you know, again, we're bringing this man to his knees. It's what he deserves. And when she essentially gets him to confess that he does control all of the widows through his little magical panel thingy, um, the smile on her face, to me, it paralleled with the smile on her face. If you've watched Winter Soldier in depth, frame by frame, as I have, um, Natasha's smile when she surprises the guard on the Lemurian star. And it's just like this wicked evil just you are totally 100% unhinged smile she gives him that smile and it just it's everything to me I just love seeing how ruthless she is and just she's just such a strong character who gives no fucks and that's something that I struggle to apply in my everyday life and you know the ruthlessness and just you know, she's the Black Widow, bitch, okay? The Black Widow spider eats the male after they have sex. And so, you know, we have the whole seductress, but it's also like, surprise, bitch, I will kill you. And to just have those vibes and just see that, like, you got played moment and I played you real fucking good, too. It just brings so much satisfaction to my, my soul. And it gave me back the years of my life that I feel like I lost in quarantine. It it just, it was everything. It was absolutely everything. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Scarlett Johansson has no right being that attractive and as dumb as she is sometimes. Like, it was wonderful i loved the confrontation scene with drakov i loved that little like i said that wicked little smile she gives when she turns around to drakov and basically says you were too weak to break my nose so i'm gonna break it myself and then she smashes her head on the desk that ma'am hello that's unhinged behavior and i love her for that i just i do i love the ruthlessness the viciousness one of my favorite sayings a few years ago back in 2018 was be ruthless for your own well-being and I feel like this movie captures that captures the essence of that somehow you know what I mean when you're watching this movie obviously hello if you've watched a single trailer you have the whole conversation about oh is this my you know the Avengers were my family and they fell apart so here's my secret Russian undercover family who we pretended to be a family and we are a family. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Which makes me, makes me sound ridiculous, but I do. I love the implications that it has about the whole two family thing. One thing that I've always loved about the Avengers is it's, it, it's along the lines of the found family trope in the sense that the people 
who you're related to by blood, maybe your family like on paper and genetically, but you know, in life we, we go places, we meet people, we connect with people, we have experiences with people that bring us closer, bring us together. And we, we do find our own families beyond, you know, who we grew up with and the people that we're related to. And so I've always loved that about the Avengers. And obviously in Civil War, her whole family just kind of falls apart because Bucky Barnes and to have to see the other family, the other side, it it seems very cheesy and cornball. It's like, Oh, I have two families, but I, I love that. And I love the implication of that because you have this character, you have Natasha who grew up believing that she was thrown out like garbage. Her own family didn't want her. She was taken by this sinister man who is like the Russian godfather. Um, She's trained and conditioned to become a baby assassin she feels like she has no one in this world. And then, you know, she has this undercover experience with this group of people and they all play the parts of a nuclear family. And, you know, she, she lives in like that fantasy, the delusion, whatever, you know, she kind of has no choice because she's living with these people for three years and it's a mission and we do anything for the mission kids. And, you kind of see how that fizzles and fades with time. And then, you know, she finds the Avengers and she has her Avengers family. And even though it's not explicitly shown in the Marvel films, it's not necessarily explicit canon. I feel like it is. She has her shield family. You know, I think we kind of get crumbs and hints as to how Nick Fury is like her dad, especially in Winter Soldier, you know, during his death scene and you see that show of emotion from her and just how like hurt she is that he wouldn't trust her to tell her about his death. I I think she's had like three families and I think that these separate entities that have bled over somehow because, you know, Clint was part of the shield family. Clint's part of the Avengers family. You know, she's, it's just so nice to see these rich relationships in which you have a familial connection with because i'm i'm somebody who i it's like it, to me it's almost like the best friend thing you know i have a lot of people who i call my best friend and when I was little, I was like, Oh, I, you know, you can only have one best friend. Well, that's not true. I mean, some of my friends I'm closer with in other aspects, you know, some of my friends we've had more shared experiences with some of my friends, we think more in line with one another than others necessarily. We have these really strong, close relationships and I call each of them my best friend because they are my best friend. They are a the best friend that I could ask for, but I have multiple of them 
and that's okay. And so the conversation about having two families, I just, I love that because it shows that you aren't, we, we aren't alone in this world. We, we're not just limited to one family. We're not limited to one best friend. We're not limited to, you know, one soulmate. I, I personally believe that we're not. And I, it's, it's just such a lovely sentiment that I was not necessarily anticipating from this movie. I know that in interviews and things we're talking about how, oh, you know, family is like a, a, a theme in this movie. But I, I just really love the, like the conversation and the implication of what family is and how we all have groups of people in our lives who we may look at as our families and, you know, they may be different, but it's this like beautiful patchwork mosaic of people in our lives and these support systems that make us better people. And I love how, especially throughout the whole character arc from Iron Man 2 to chronically Endgame, but in film release sake, Black Widow, just to kind of see that and to see how these relationships richen her life and the growth in the character that you see. One thing that I said I would talk about, you know, in, in the vein of family and, you know, thinking about everyone's favorite little sister, Elena Belova, the end credit scene, the post credit scene, which are, you know, just such a hot topic with Marvel. Like I, I, I distinctly remember when me and Amanda went to see it, I went to go see opening night and Thursday night and Friday night with my best friend, Amanda, she flew out here. We went to go see it. I looked ridiculous. I wore every single piece of Black Widow merch. I felt like I owned, um, we had a blast of time. We went to go see it. And I just remember I would see people like get up and I'm like, have you never been to a Marvel movie? Do you not know where you are? You have to like park it, park it sisters. Um, and another thing, another bone I have to pick while I'm thinking about it. I want to know why Kevin Feige did not fight his ass off to get Black Widow by Iggy Azalea featuring Rita Ora in that movie somehow. Like you're telling me you could pay for Sia and Sean Paul to sing Cheap Thrills, but we couldn't pay. We couldn't. We He could not pay Iggy Azalea's prices. I call bullshit. Like, I just waited and waited and waited to hear the opening notes of that song blast through the speakers at the movies during the credits. But it didn't. And I was severely disappointed in Kevin Feige. So, um, <laughs> Kevin Feige, you're not listening to this. Iggy Azalea, you're not listening to this. But what the fuck? remedy this immediately. I don't care what you got to do to fix it, but fix it. Thank you. Anyway, back to my post-credit scene, end-credit scene, whatever you refer to it as. I knew it was coming. I really did because I felt like there was just no other alternative option for a 
end credit scene other than for us to jump forward into time. Yelena is there with her dog named Fanny. We see them go to Natasha's grave, which thank fucking God that this woman has at least a headstone and something resembling a grave. I will never, ever, ever like I, I, I'm going to come for the Russos every day of my life for many things, but mainly not giving Natasha Romanoff a funeral. It's criminal. It's unacceptable behavior. I, I don't know what possessed them into thinking that she didn't need one. And after Endgame came out, they just kept opening their mouths and saying things. And I was like, you guys are not helping anything. You're not making matters any better for yourselves. Stop it. But the I, mm, mm, thank you, Kate Shortland, for giving me what I what we what we what we deserved. So we see Elena at Natasha's grave. She whistles. Whistling is now triggering, apparently, because of this film. Thanks a lot. And I just waited and I waited and I waited to hear the whistle back because. We're living, the, we're living in the multiverse times now, ladies, and anything can happen. Cue up that Ellie Golding song. I waited for the whistle back. I didn't get it. I should have known, but I didn't get it, and I was disappointed by that. And we see this Valentina lady who, her relevance, I don't know yet. You know, I'm not going to sit here and toot my own horn and say, I read all the comics. I know everything that happens because I don't. I, I, I don't, I don't care to do that. I don't care to commit to that. That's what Wikipedia is for. So I don't know who she is. I know she was in Falcon Winter Soldier and I was like, what, who, what, why? And I know she recruited John Walker who get fucked John Walker. No one likes you. But anyway, Valentina is there. Yelena is there. Apparently they know each other, which I have lots of questions about. Did Yelena get snapped? Did she get turned to dust? Has she been around this whole time? I don't know which of those two ideas that I like better because hello. How long has it been since the snap back to normalcy? Because apparently Yelena has been working for this shady bitch. And Val Valentina proceeds to explain that she knows how Yelena can like uh, like find out how her sister died and avenge her da, 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 and shows a picture of fluffy hair Clint Barton at which I screamed over to quote Amanda I nearly launched myself into the sun and that's that's very accurate I you know here here we are here I am once again Feeling lost, but now and then I breathe it in to let it go. You don't know where you are now or what it would come to if only somebody could hear. You figure out how and you're lost in the moment. You disappear. I, I, like I said, I wanted to launch myself into the sun. I knew that. Florence was going to be in Hawkeye because I saw where Elena was going to be in Hawkeye. And with the way things, thank you, COVID, with the way that filming for the MCU has kind of just 
befallen. Everything's been messed up. Um, Yelena was supposed to be in Falcon Winter Soldier, which how I would love to know more. Kevin Feige, call me. And we obviously didn't get that. And so then we found out we're going to get Yelena and Hawkeye. And I was like, yes, because hi, I'm one of, I guess, the four people who is looking forward to Hawkeye. I will gatekeep Clint Barton until the day I die. You all are not worthy. I don't want to see a single one of you who perpetuated the it should have been Clint bullshit on the interwebs. I don't want to see a single one of you watching that show. You don't deserve it. I don't care that Kate Bishop is in it. Kate Bishop is the reward that us Clint Barton fans get for sitting in the trenches of your crap. She is ours. Back off. That's that soapbox. But I'm so excited for Hawkeye. And, you know, apparently they're doing, it seems like they're doing the fraction run with the tracksuit mafia, all that good fun stuff. So I was interested to see how Yelena was going to play into it. But with that, it kind of gives us the idea of, okay, homegirl is about to hunt Clint Barton down. And again, people suck. Have your opinions. I don't care. I I just, I, I don't think you all are going to get what you're hoping for out of Yelena killing Clint. I just, I, maybe I'll have to eat my left foot over these words, but I just, I don't think that's what's going to happen. What I want from it is for them to have an angsty conversation about how, yes, Natasha died on a horrible alien planet. But Clint loved her so much and he is ridden with guilt and he, you know, obviously he wishes it didn't happen. The man literally says it in Endgame. If I had a timestamp to give you, I would, but I would just love to see them have an angsty conversation over how much they love Natasha and how they, and then for them to just cry and hold each other and, Again, angst. I want angst. I want angst out of this. I also personally would love for Yelena and Kate Bishop to be like best friends or girlfriends. I don't care. I just want the the second comings of Black Widow and Hawkeye to be something because I need that because 10 years of my life I've committed to the Clintasha train and loving Black Widow and Hawkeye as a duo. And so if I don't get that in this this rebirth of shit, I will be less than thrilled. And Marvel HQ will have a very strongly worded letter in their mail from yours truly. I feel like Marvel HQ is deserving of a lot of strongly worded letters from yours truly. One of them being, in particular, how... I am very disappointed that this is the end of the line and how we didn't get a trilogy before Scarlet decided it was time to hang up her hat. But, you know, sis did it. Sis has done it. And we, we, we can't turn back, apparently. Although it's never too late, girlfriend. Chris Hemsworth signed another contract. You can easily do the same thing. But I, I don't want this. I, like I said, I'm living in denial. I don't want this to be the end of the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I can't accept that. 
I love this character too much and what she means to me. And I, mm -mm, no, 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 we're not, I'm not about it. Not here for it. But at the same time, while I want more, I want Black Widow 2, Budapest, the vent files. I want it. I need it. God bless the vent scenes. I want a trilogy because I feel like the character deserved a trilogy a long fucking time ago. The character deserved every single thing that the her male counterparts got and then some. And I just, I think it's, I think it's bullshit that Scarlett didn't get that. Scarlett Johansson's a dumb bitch, but I'm obligated to love her in her extremely long hour of need. I, I just, I think Black Widow deserved more. Um, and again, I'm biased and that, you know, that can mean nothing, but it's what I think. However, everything that that woman, <laughs> that that woman has done, both Natasha and Scarlett, you know, we were the first female superhero in the MCU I feel like Black Widow changed the perspectives of a lot of people regarding female superheroes. And I think there's something to be said from that because, you know, I, I hate to even let the words leave my mouth, but a lot of people recognize Scarlett Johansson as this sex symbol or whatever. And... Obviously, in the past, female superhero leads or even any female superhero sidekick in the background um, has sort of this sexy, obviously tailored for the male gaze lens on them. And the fact that someone who had this Haim Taylor Swift, this reputation of, you know, being a sex symbol and recognizes that instead of her, her incredible portfolio of work that she's done. I'm not an actor. I don't know the words, but the fact that someone like that can have such an impact on how we view female superheroes today and even just kind of watching how they treated her, um, because even in the beginning, it was very clear that we were still looking through that male gaze. If you if you look at any of the movie posters, which I'm sure, you know, this this conversation has been had before. When you look at the movie posters from Iron Man 2 up until like Civil War, the angling, the pose that she's doing, the suits that she's wearing, shots in the film. You know, it, it's all very hypersexualized in a way. And even in those moments, even with those moments in, you know, these films, we still don't have it thrown in our faces. And that's not her single 
character trait. She's not a one-dimensional character. She's a two-dimensional character. Two-dimensional. She's a five-dimensional character. I don't know what I'm saying. But to have a well-rounded, fleshed-out female superhero character and to see her evolve and to have had her from the beginning and see this arc of character growth throughout is is so impressive to me. Like before Black Widow, just the character, I mean, people had very specific viewpoints and stereotypes and preconceived notions of what a female superhero was. You know, there was, there were no successful female superhero movies at all. And then when Scarlet comes on board and we have Black Widow and we see how she progresses and we see the response to her character. It changes everything because, you know, I can, I, I'm biased. We've, we've been over this. Films like Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman could not, and quite frankly, I don't think would have succeeded had it not been for the work that Scarlett Johansson and, you know, John Favreau, I hate to say his name, but Joss Whedon, the Russo brothers that they put into this character. Now, have namely Joss Whedon, or as I like to call him, Jostopher Whedleton and the clown Russo brothers, have they messed up with this character? Yes. Yes, they have. But it's so, I, I just, the work that they've done with this character and how this character specifically has switched and altered the way that we view female superheroes and the fact that we, we live in a time where we can have a female superhero movie with a female superhero lead and it kill at the box office like 11 years ago, I, I'm almost positive people would have laughed and been like, yeah, fucking right. And, and, and we have that. So it, I just, I, I love that. I'm, I'm proud to have watched that in a sense. Um, you know, Natasha Romanoff has meant a lot to me. That character was where I found a lot of strength in times when I didn't necessarily have it for myself. And, you know, watching these films, watching this character, I feel like had an impact on me in some way in which I felt like I was empowered by that. And, you know, my own self-confidence and, you know, strength that I derived from within, I feel like that was inspired by, you know, my love for this character and, you know, finding traits in this character that I, I wanted and figuring out how I could apply that to my own, you know, daily life. I'm, I'm very, very forever grateful for Scarlett and this and Natasha, which is, like I said, it's cheesy to say, but it's, it's true. And I, I know I'm not the only one who feels that way. And that said, as much as I would love a trilogy, as much as I would love, especially with the multiverse opening up, I would love, love for Scarlet to come back and, and do something and, you know, just play with this character even more. And 
explore every, all five of those dimensions I mentioned earlier. I, I would have loved that. But if time, if this is where she wants to hang up her hat, which I, I think she is. And quite frankly, I think this is her bow, her graceful bow out of, um, out of film. Um, I could be wrong, but I feel like Miss Girl is at a point where she she can say she's done it all, and she has. And, you know, I, I think this is a good, not that I know her personally or anything, but I, I think this is just a good point in her life in which she should, you know, when she can, she feels comfortable in taking time off for herself and, you know, all that good stuff. She's earned it. She's 100% earned it in my eyes. I mean, she's earned she's more than earned her, her time away from the Marvel mad farm or whatever we refer to it as. And it's bittersweet. I say as if I have any stake in this and I was there, but then again, you know, I spent $350 on a crew jacket that production had made for everyone and I, I feel like, you know, by owning that jacket, that makes me a part of, of this somehow. It makes me a part of the crew. I was secretly there if you look closely in all the pictures. <laughs> so I, I do think she's earned it as sad as I may be about it. I'm now going to conclude my sentimental moment with a what the fuck <laughs> question. What, what was the point of OT... I can't say his last name. OTF. This is an OTF WTF moment in the podcast. What was the point? What what was did we need his character? Did like did we really? Like that was a role I could have done. Could you guys imagine me <laughs> me playing that part in the in the film? Like I didn't even know he had a name until I went on Wikipedia or IMDb or whatever that website is. And was like, what, what, who did he play? Cause we never said his name. I don't think, I don't think we said his name. He was just there. He, he was just there. And I, we could have done without, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sure you're a lovely human being. I'm sure you had the time of your life on this film, but we didn't really need you. What I, I had this conversation with Amanda. So man, if you're listening, you'll know what I'm talking about. We were talking about how there's this, I've seen a series of videos on YouTube in which people green screen themselves into films and they're like, I was in high school musical, but they cut me out of all the footage and they green screen themselves. in. honestly, I feel like Jeremy Renner would do that. Like, I feel like he would just green screen himself in and like the scene where Natasha is walking into her random trailer in the middle of the Norwegian forest, which girl, what? I, I feel like he would green screen himself just like chilling on her bed because he would but yeah so otf wtf i'm so sorry but you were just irrelevant you were relevant and your services were not needed addressing the other man in the film david harbour as alexi shashkatov or however you say his last name i'm not russian so i don't know um comedic gold I was so worried that his character was going, we were going to spend too much time on his character, quite frankly, because I'm like, we, we don't care about men. This is Black Widow. Fuck men. We, he was just comedic relief, which was so refreshing and so nice. Uh, 
I just, I loved every single moment, which fortunately we weren't over, over stuffed, over burdened, over, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. We didn't have an excess of it on the screen, so I was down for it, but he was hilarious. Rachel Weiss was just, I'm clearly injured, was such a good line. <laughs> she was so cute. I loved her. I, again, stellar, stellar casting, stellar character development and characterization in these films. I I saw where David and Rachel have also signed multi-film contracts, in which case I basically retract everything sentimental. I just lectured on and I say, Scarlett Johansson, girl, I'm going to become your publicist. We going to have a talk. And even though I'm not your agent, we going to have a talk. We going to get you. We we going to get you back, girl. We going to get you back on track because the world needs it. It does. It really does. So with that being said, I, on Twitter, the bird app, I asked for some of my lovely friends and people who bothered to tune in to the podcast to submit your favorite dialogue, your favorite lines from the film. And I would rank them because I we have nothing else better to do with our time. So these all came from my five friends, my peeps. Love y'all. Thank you for anybody who sent one in. There were a few repeats, so I just counted them all together. The first line that I had was from our dear darling new favorite child, Yelena Belova. And this is the scene where she they're all at the dinner table. They're having a family reunion from hell. And everyone is just like stone cold, cold stone, cold stone killers, stone cold killers. Syntax, language, help me. We basically have Alexi, Melina and Natasha being like, the fuck is happening? Alexi the oxygen is not getting to his brain enough from that cowl on his head. Melina is like obsessing over her pings. Natasha is like, can we people, can you please get your shit together? And Yelena is breaking down because everyone's like her family was not real. And she's like undergoing a crisis, which I relate to sister. But she says, don't say that. Please don't say that. It was real. It was real to me. You were my mother. You were my real mother. The closest thing I ever had to one. The best part of my life was fake. And none of you told me. Out of all the things I received, that's like a solid three on the list because, again, Florence Pugh will act the hell out of whatever she's given. And you know when she makes the face, like it's not just any face, it's the face. And you know she's about to cry. You know she's going to serve. Just superior acting. Um, I rated that a three. It was just so phenomenal. And I feel like that was really the breaking point for Yelena and what she's basically been battling with for the whole film. You know, Natasha has been saying essentially grow up, you know, it wasn't real. Put your big girl panties on. Let's roll on. We got shit to do. Melina is living in the middle of nowhere. Alexi is just like, you guys are great killers. I don't really care what happened to you because we were like the Incredibles, but the supervillain family. 
is that a thing? Is that like a real movie? I don't know. I'm my brain is Swiss cheese at this point. So I, I just love how she finally had had enough and was like, no, no, stop saying this. This was real to me. Such, such, again, this movie had some of the best writing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's why I personally believe it is in, in the holy trinity of my favorite Marvel movies and in a, a very sacred place amongst solo movies. The next line was from none other than Queen Natasha when she and Yelena are running through Budapest and they end up hiding in the air vents from Taskmaster. It says, Barton and I spent two days hiding out here. And then we see a shot of um, where they've played tic-tac-toe and hangman. And I, you know, I gave it a four because again, I love being validated in the, in the Budapest verse of things. And the events were just, if you were around in the olden golden days of Tumblr, you remember the, 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 the joy in writing Clint Barton being a event rat. And he just spends all his time in the events and he hears everyone's conversations in the events. It's like Thor's obsession with pop tarts. So I just, I loved what felt like homage and validation to that era of my life. So I gave that one a four. The next one is when Yelena is busted into the red room and she drops down from the ceiling vent and she does the pose. As we all know, it's Natasha's iconic superhero pose. And to which once she does it, she shudders and says, oh, that was disgusting. Um, I gave that a two because that's just sheer comedic genius at work. I, I, I love it. I love the Yelena sass. It, I, I live for it, actually. The next one is not necessarily a quote. It's more of a, um, <laughs> a very short tidbit of backstory in which we are, we are privy to what happened in Budapest, which is basically that Clint Barton and Natasha Romanoff rigged bombs all over the city of Budapest in order to kill Drakov. Natasha ends up killing Drakov's daughter, Antonia, but she really doesn't surprise. And they blow up like a five-story building. They're trapped in Budapest for like 10 days. They have a shootout with the Hungarian police. It's a real fun rodeo for everybody involved. I, you know, as again, I love being validated. It, it, it brings me great joy. I put that as a seven, um, because first of all, why, why, why did she have to give Clint's full name? Like she might as well have said Clinton Francis Barton, like given us his government name. Like we, we know who he is, sister. You just, all you had to say was Clint, my husband, <laughs> you know, we, we got it. We know who you're talking about. So it felt a little awkward in her mouth because we all know that Natasha knows who Clint is. And Obviously, Yelena knows who Clint is. She has some idea of him because he was one of, you know, the Avengers of New York. So, again, I love being validated. I just rated it low because there were some, you guys sent in some killer quotes. So, the next one that I have was Yelena's commentary on Natasha's posing. We're in the gas station and they're just telling the gas station attendant how they're basically drained assassins. And Yelena starts making fun of Natasha's infamous pose. I give that a six because that was something that we kind of went into the film knowing and seeing. And again, hilarious, hysterical, classic, classic Yelena. But 
you know, it just, again, you guys have done some really good ones. So some of them have to fall off the bottom, obviously, even though I love them with all my heart. Next one I got was when Natasha and Yelena are in Budapest. They've just finished choking each other out with a curtain and they've called a truce. And Yelena asks Natasha what made the hole, what kind of bullet made the hole in the walls. And Natasha looks at her as if she has four heads and she replies, they're not bullets, arrows. I give that a five um, because again, I'm being validated. I'm validated in my Clint Barton and Natasha Romanoff are the dream team. They're ride or dies. They're in love. Uh, you didn't hear me say that. Um, but yeah, excellent. So the next quote we had was, thank you for your cooperation. I ranked this and another quote very equally. Um, I ranked them number one because that this the parallel, the full circle nature of everything. I love a good full circle moment. Like they they might be cheesy. They might have been, they may be overdone. They may not be, you know, Oscar winning grounds. I eat that shit up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So good. The delivery, it, it was perfect. It, it was just, it was so well done. It felt like a fan service line while also being perfect for the scenario and the situation. And I, I'm just, you know, that, that right there, that right there sold it. And then finally, the last quote, which I also ranked number one is from Melina when she and Natasha are talking and their safe house, whatever, Melina's farm, I guess. And they're looking through photo albums and, you know, Natasha's reminiscing on her past. And Melina asks, tell me, how did you keep your heart? And I just love that because high sentimental moment coming your way. I do feel like Natasha, like, when Endgame came out, I was like, oh my god, Natasha's the soul of the Avengers. That's why she's the soul stone, you know. <laughs> um, just me being emo. But I do feel like Natasha was the heart of the Avengers. And um, she's she had gone through so much and survived and overcome so much. And yet she still had her heart about her. She didn't let... She had let... You know, because I'm um, thoughts processing help me. Scarlet says that um, Natasha is very good at compartmentalizing, which is true. And I think she has let parts of herself harden and um, she's closed them off to the world. But in the end, at the end of the day, Natasha does have this very vulnerable, very compassionate heart and it, it, it's just beautiful to to think that you know after all of the shit the world has thrown her that she's had to survive she's had to overcome she's had to deal with that she has managed to keep that heart and use the things that have tried to beat her down and break her and weaken her and using them to make her stronger and to let her pain have purpose in a sense. I I grew up on Tumblr, so I find sentiment in that shit. And I eat that shit up again, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I I just love the the emotion and thought and the meaning behind that. And that, my friends, is where I will conclude this 
Widow cast, this review of Black Widow. I am so happy that I finally got to watch this movie. I got to experience it with one of my best friends in the entire world. Amanda, if you're listening to this, I love you. Thank you for coming to Yeehaw Land for me and seeing this movie with me twice. We didn't get banned from any movie theaters, which is a bit of a disappointment. But, you know, I held up a whole line at a Regal buying two Black Widow combos to which the guy working the register hated me for. So, you know, all's well that ends well, I suppose. I hope that if you have seen the movie as well, which hopefully you have because I spoiled the shit out of it, um, I hope that you enjoyed it as well. Please feel free to reach out to me, be it on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, Carrier Pigeon, I don't care. Um, reach out to me, let me know your thoughts on the movie. Let me know if we share some thoughts, if you have different thoughts, if there was something that I didn't talk about that you just have burning on your on your mind and heart and soul, feel free to reach out to me and let's talk Black Widow because I am not going to be shutting up about it anytime in the near future. So thank you guys so much for listening. I love you all. If no one's told you today, you are wonderful. You are capable of amazing things and you matter. You matter so much. The world would not be the same without you in it. I will talk to you guys next time. Take care. Bye.